Good morning. How is everyone? My name is John Stevens. If you don't know me, I'm the student pastor here. And uh, before we start the message, I haven't been in this service in probably about eight to ten months, not because I don't like it, uh, more because my responsibilities have just been kind of all over the church. And so my main priority is just to kind of share with you a brief synopsis right here in just a moment of what God's doing in my life here at Florida Bible and then outside of Florida Bible, what God's doing so that you can kind of get kind of get adjusted to what I've been going through. Uh, I'm the student pastor here primarily. We moved our Wednesday service to Friday, so you don't see me on Wednesdays anymore either. So maybe you've been asking yourself, does this guy even work here anymore? I do still work here, I promise. Uh, we meet on Friday nights. God is doing absolutely unbelievable things in our youth group. We have watched just student after student start to floodgate the youth room. Um, this week we saw about 130 students come to church. We took 100 of them to Tijuana Flats and rocked the world of this little tiny restaurant. And uh, it was just an amazing time. We're watching student after student accept Christ. Um, we're going to have an amazing baptism weekend one weekend because just students are receiving the love of Jesus Christ and they're pouring that back out on people. Isn't that worth clapping for? Amen. It's just been a great thing. Also, part of my responsibility here at Florida Bible is our Saturday night service to help design that, organize that, and implement the leadership within that service, and we're growing. Um, we have a lot of people getting plugged in. In fact, there's about 25 young adults who actively serve in that ministry, whether that's through band or drama or presentation. Um, they're beginning to submit their life through leadership, through service um, to Jesus Christ, and we're watching that service just explode. And it's been a great opportunity for me to learn that. And so as far as our ministries here at Florida Bible are concerned, God is absolutely inundating inundating them and people are starting to live life with Jesus and we're absolutely excited about that. On my personal world, just to give you a little briefing, uh, my wife and I are expecting our third baby boy here in November. Yeah, we're excited. I'm really excited. Uh, we have a planned C-section. She's not too excited about that, but uh, November 28th is the day uh, we'll welcome Joey Stevens home, Joey Charles Stevens. He's going to sound royal, Joseph Charles Stevens, um, the fifth. No, but uh, he, he's going to be coming home with us, and that will give us a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn. And so our world is crazy, full of playpens and high chairs and Things thrown all over the house and my poor wife having to do all that. So I absolutely love her and thank her for that. And so that's our life in a nutshell. We're absolutely in love with our ministry. We love our family. It's growing. It's expanding uh, on every level. And God is doing amazing things through me and through uh, this church. And so um, this morning I've been given the opportunity to preach. Pastor Pete is preparing for this new series called Collide. And I really want to motivate you to come to that. It's a moment where he's going to explain when culture and family collide, what the Bible says to do, how to respond, how to react. And uh, I really believe if God is the main focus in the family, all things are possible. Amen. And so I want to encourage you, bring your friends, bring your family, bring people that you know, because Pastor Pete is going to communicate a message that I think is going to wow us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to share with you a thought. It's called truth or dare. Um, you may not want to admit to it, but probably for the majority of us, we've played this game at some point in our life. Truth or dare kind of goes like this. I ask you a question. I say truth or dare. You say truth. I'm given an opportunity now to ask you a question that you may never tell anyone else at any other time. And this is going to be a truth statement. I want to know the truth. I'm going to put you out on the carpet. I'm going to ask you something. And you're now in a position in front of everyone else to tell me the truth. And then once you've done that, you've performed that well, you get to 
turn around and ask me a question, a dare question possibly. And you begin to dare me to do something so radical and so extreme and so different than anything I've ever done. It might even give you some joy. It might give you some comfort in knowing that you could get me to do something that I necessarily am not comfortable doing. Truth or dare. And I think we have a truth or dare moment in the Bible. Uh, and what I want to do is I want to talk about that moment. And, and it might be a stretch, but I really believe if you look at this, you're going to see the truth that was asked and then the dare that was performed. That he's going to say, hey, I'm going to give you the truth. Now, here's what I'm going to dare you to do. And so we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 10. The Pharisees are sitting outside and Jesus is telling some stories and the Pharisees decide, you know, what? one of the Pharisees decides, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to test Jesus. And if you're not familiar, Pharisees was one of four radical groups and uh, it was probably the smaller of all four, right? It was, the fa- it was the smaller of the Zealots and the Sadducees, right? It was the smallest group, but it had the most influence. These were the guys that walked around. Everybody knew them as spiritual. In fact, people probably looked to them for spiritual guidance. They looked like on the outside they had everything figured out and honestly that was their goal their goal was to make sure everybody knew who they were and they knew the kind of life they were living and they wanted people to assume they had everything figured out and so these leaders of the law are standing there and i can just picture it now one pharisee nudges the other one he goes watch this I'm going to hit Jesus with a truth statement. I'm going to put him in the midst of all these people, and I'm going to force him to contradict the very life that he's living. Because remember, that was their goal. Their ultimate goal was to get Jesus to compromise his life, right? They eventually got him on blasphemy, but that was their goal. They constantly were testing Jesus. And so this was a test moment. And the Pharisee stands up and he goes, Jesus, truth or dare? And I think Jesus says, go ahead, hit me with the truth. Ask me the truth. And so we pick up in verse 25 of Luke 10. If you don't have your Bibles, there's one there or or it's definitely in your notes. And it picks up here in verse 25. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Again, it says, a teacher of the law stood up to test Jesus. I can see it. He says, truth. I got a truth question for you, Jesus, in the midst of a crowd. And he says, hey, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And I love the reply. In fact, Jesus says, I don't know why you're asking me. What does the Bible say? And he says, well, I guess the truth is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And then the Jewish leader says, well, who's my neighbor? Tries to be slick again. And Jesus says, your neighbor, and he shares this story. And and I want you to understand this because Jesus is sitting here in the midst of people. And I think when the Pharisees asked this, they were hoping that the story he's about to share, the truth that he's about to share, would be more about the way they looked. It'd be more about loving God means praying to him. Loving God means studying Loving God, making sure there's no wrinkles in your robe, if you will, right? They were hoping that he would tell them loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind was more about the way you did what you did rather than the heart at which you did it. And Jesus says, no, no, let me tell you the truth. Only one thing remains constant. You want the truth? The most important law in all of the commandments, the most important thing you and I should do, the most important thing we should focus our life on, one thing remains, and that's your love for me. And out of your love for me is your love for others. And this morning I want to ask you this. And I think through the story we're about to walk through, it's going to walk us through a dare moment. And God is daring us to love. And so he replies like this, picking up in verse 30. It says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. 
and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Picking up in 31, by the chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over to the other side of the road and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put him on his own donkey and took him into an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling them, Take care of this man if his bill runs higher. Then I'll pay you more the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man who replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, now I dare you to go do the same. Listen to that again. He says, and which one? Jesus says, which one do you think is your neighbor? And the man simply says, the one who showed him mercy. And he goes, well, I dare you. You wanted the truth? You want the truth, the most important thing? You want the truth? How do you get to me? By loving me and loving people. And he says, you know what? I dare you now to go do that. You get it. You now get it. It's about loving me and me loving you and you loving people. And it's not just to know it. Pharisees were about what they knew. It was about making sure they understood the law. And Jesus is going, I don't care if you know it. I care if you're doing it. I want you to go do it. I want you to go live like that. I want you to go be that. I dare you to love. And I think it's important to know the background here. Jesus didn't by chance choose a Jewish man and a Samaritan man. This story wasn't like off the top of his head. I'll just pick two random people. No big deal. No, he was very strategic in this story. The Studying this passage, what I've understood is there's a, there's a huge breakdown between the Jew and the Samaritan. In fact, the Jewish people looked at the Samaritans as half-breeds. They looked at the Samaritans as, as dirty and, and corrupt. Somewhere along the line of life, the Samaritans intermingled and they intermarried and they got caught up in some other religious rut. And so the Jewish people thought, you abandoned the gospel, you abandoned the, the Bible. I don't want anything to do with you, you're dirty. In fact, in one of the articles I read, it said the Jewish people would literally go around the town of Samaria just to avoid coming in contact with those people. They would go around them and they didn't have the cars you and I had that go 80, 90 miles an hour. They walked or they rode donkey where they went. I don't know if you've ever seen donkeys don't move too fast, right? They don't go too fast. So this would take them days possibly to get to where they needed to go just to avoid coming in contact with them. And what Jesus is communicating to these Pharisees, these upright, pompous, arrogant type people, he's looking at them going, you want to know who your neighbor is? You want to know who I've called you to love i've called you to love the people that you couldn't see yourself loving i've called you to mix with the people you couldn't even imagine being a part of that's the kind of love i want you to have that's the kind of love god is daring us to love our neighbors this kind of love is not possible without god pouring out his love on us and what god's helping us understand he's going listen when you fall madly in love with me When you get all of your love from me, when you fall in love with me with all of your heart, meaning everything you dream about, everything you're passionate about, everything you can fathom to imagine, when it is coming from me and I'm your only source of love and you're getting that from me and I've captivated your heart and your mind and your soul and all of your strength, when that love is flowing to you, it is possible for you to love the people you could not imagine loving. Amen? Dare. Jesus is standing in the midst of the people and he goes, you want the truth? Really? Church, you want the truth? Seriously, you want the truth? The truth is this, love me and love them. Fall in love with me. Fall in love with them. Get your love from me 
give my love to them. Who do I love? Pharisee said, who do I love? Who's that person? Is it the person that I already know? Is it mom? Is it dad? Is it friend? No. He says, you want to know who you really need to be worried about? Who you need to love? Your neighbor needs to be the person you could not imagine seeing yourself love. I dare you to show a love like this. The Bible says there's no greater love than one who lays down his life for a friend. And God's going, listen, I've laid down my life for you. I've showed you love. Therefore, you reveal love to all people. This morning, I want to just touch on this verse and walk through some points of this. And I want to give you four really simple, really practical, life-applicable points. And I want you to take these points this morning, and I want you just to earn them into you. I want you to put them into your own heart and your own passion and your own desire. And I want you to be able to leave this room going, you know what, God? I don't know how to do it all, but through you, I can. And before we start, I just want to stop. And I just want to go to God. And I want to ask God. God, take whatever it is this morning that's going to keep me from hearing you. Man, I just want us to pause. Because I think it's so easy to come into church and sing some songs and, and get a message and leave just as angry as we walked in. Or just as empty as we walked in. Or just as frustrated. Or maybe you're sitting here going, this isn't Pastor Pete. This guy talks too fast. I don't get it. Man, I just want us to sit down. And I don't know what you came in with this morning. I don't know what life looks like for you. I don't know if you're dealing with anger. I don't know if you're dealing with some type of addiction. I don't know if you're dealing with hurt. Maybe you got a broken heart this morning. Maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe there's a family issue. But here's what I know and I'm confident in. And I know that God is doing this in my life. No matter how hard the waters get. No matter how deep the waters get. God knows me by name. He loves me. He's concerned about me. And he is capable of doing anything. Amen? And so I just want to invite you as I pray. I just want to invite you to just pause. Ask God to open your heart. Ask God to clear your conscience. Ask God to eliminate anything that you're thinking about. We're so easily, so easy to think about where we're going to lunch or why we didn't eat dinner or what do we need to do or how do we need to do it. And I just want us to stop and just submit everything we've got and say, God, you know what? Just, just ease me this morning. The Bible says, come to me who are heavy laden. Those who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Folks, this morning, my message when I was planning it was simply to help you understand that you've got a God whose love bank is full. It is never ending, and he is desiring to love you so much that it is possible for you to love all people. Will you pray with me? And before I pray publicly, I'm just going to pause. Just have this moment of silence, possibly awkward I just want you to ask God to do what he needs to do in you so that you can hear this message from him. God, the Bible says, when the shepherd speaks, the sheep will hear his voice. God, this morning, my prayer and my heart is so innocent to you. My agenda is clean. My purpose is clear. And God, I pray this morning that you would just flood through me. 
God, that you would give us ears to listen, that you'd soften our hearts, that you'd remove discontent, that you'd remove anger, that you'd remove frustration, you'd remove our anxious minds. God, that you'd remove whatever barriers keeping us from experiencing you this morning. God, my prayer this morning is that you would just silence me if it's not coming from you. I would rather stand here in complete silence and know that your voice is being heard than to utter words and impress no one, most importantly you. God, my prayer is that we would listen to your voice through this message. God, that you would stir our hearts. It'd be about you, not about how accurate was the text, not about how accurate was this opinion, not about what do I think or what do I feel, but God, we would sense the very living presence that we know you are here and you have done your will. God, use us to be a church that responds to your love. God, we desire to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our strength. God, be with us as we learn from your word how we might love the unlovable. In your name we pray, amen. First thing I think we see from this text, and again, I just have four simple thoughts for you. Number one, I think it communicates a love that is blind. A love that is blind. I said in Luke 10, it says that this man was walking through the city, and this Jewish man was on a trip, and he was beaten, and he was robbed, and he was left half naked. So the imagery there, it's safe to assume that this Samaritan man probably would have shown the same love regardless of who it was in that ditch. Most likely, he would have shown the same love no matter who was there. It's safe to assume that. The Bible just simply says the man saw him and showed compassion. It didn't say the man saw someone who he wasn't supposed to like, so he thought maybe he could be the hero in blending social boundaries. It didn't say that. It just simply said he saw a man laying there and he showed compassion. So it's safe to assume that he had no idea. It's probably also safe to assume that he didn't realize he was a Jewish man. He didn't realize that he was helping someone that he's not supposed to. It's really safe to assume the man was simply responding to a need with compassion. He understood what it was like to be loved. Therefore, he showed love. He understood what it was like to receive love. Therefore, he showed love. It was blind. We've all heard the statement, love is blind. Man, those, that young couple, wasn't it great when love was blind? We hear that statement all the time, and I think it's especially true in the life of a believer. I think we need to look at people through the lens of, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, I love you because I've first been loved. It's a love that is blind. It shouldn't be contingent upon your race. It shouldn't be contingent upon your social status. It shouldn't be contingent upon your economic status. It should have nothing to do with who you are or what you've done. And the Pharisees, they literally wanted Jesus to say, the person you should love is the one who takes time to learn about me. The person you should love is the one who you see wanting to be loved. No, I think Jesus was very specific in this text. He was very specific in the way he designed it. He said, listen, I want you to love people regardless of who they are. I want you to love people even if it doesn't seem possible to love them. I want you to love the people who who you cannot imagine loving. Do Do you understand that Christ gave his life for the whole world? Christ didn't look at us and go, you know what? My love is only going to be for those that I see. My love is only going to be for this class of people. 
My love is only going to be for this gender of people. My love is only going to be for this part of the world. No, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his life. For God so loved the world, that gives me the idea that Jesus died for everyone. Amen? And he's saying, listen, with that same love, with that same sacrifice, with that same understanding, I've called you to love likewise. I dare you to love. I dare you to love. I dare you to start looking at people and stop preconceiving what you already think. Stop wondering who they are. Be like the Samaritan and just see compassion for people. Just see the need and feel it. See the desire and love those people. It doesn't matter who they are or what they've done. It doesn't make a difference. Why? Because Christ loves us and he gives us the ability to love them. It's got to be blind. Amen. Yeah, get excited about God. Church, God brought us here so that we can learn his truth and so we might live for him. And he's going, listen, start loving people the way I love you. I don't know about you, but just evaluating myself. Thank goodness God's love is blind. Because if he could, if people saw the way sometimes I acted or the things I said about him, they wouldn't love me. But God loves me regardless of my condition. God loves me regardless of my status. God loves me regardless of what I do or how I've done it. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. I love you. It's not contingent upon who you are. I love you. It's blind. It's not oblivious. It's blind. And he's going, listen, the same way I love you, the same hope I have for you, I've called you to love them. A love that is blind. Number two, I think it shows us a love that is risky. Again, in 10, verse 30, it says, a Jewish man was traveling on his trip to Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. The Samaritan undoubtedly placed himself in a very, very dangerous position. He put himself in a very unpleasant situation. He didn't know what was going to happen when he got there. He didn't know if this guy was going to give back to him. He didn't know if the robbers were right around the corner. He had no idea. He didn't know what to expect. I can imagine if it were me in that position, uh, maybe this story will help you understand. Let's say I went down to the middle of Miami. I'm horrible in Miami. I don't know the roads. When you go to numbers, forget it. It might be the dyslexia in me. I don't know. The numbers in me just kills me. And so I get down there. I get lost very easily. Let's assume I get lost in a place that's not a very good place. We all know that Miami has its areas that are not good. And so let's assume I get into one of those areas and I get beat. The baseball bat comes out. They hit me over the face with it, right? I'm bleeding. You can barely make out who I am. They steal my money. They steal everything I've got, and they just leave me there. And in comes, let's just use you, and in comes you, and you see me at a distance, and your heart sees me, and you see me laying there. It's going to be a very risky decision for you to help me. It's going to be a very risky move for you to step out and help me. Why? Because you don't know if the bandits are around the corner waiting to help you. You don't know if they're waiting around to get you and throw you in the ditch with me. It's risky. And we may decide, well, I can call for help. We might be like the other two who come alongside and say, man, I hope that guy's okay. And we just keep going. Or maybe we would look at him and go, ooh, I got to get some cell phone coverage so I can text somebody about that. But I got to help. I got to stay over here. No, but God is saying, listen, sometimes love is a risk. Man, this is a love that needs to be risky. We need to be willing. And that guy, that Samaritan, undoubtedly took a risk. He stepped into danger to love people. He took a risk for who you, who you and I should be. He's going, listen, because I showed compassion for him, that compassion came from a love from God. From him, I can love him. Because I know no matter where I go or what I do, God is with me. Amen? 
man, I'm not assuming that we should go put ourselves in harm's way, but I am assuming that it's going to be risky to love. I am assuming what Jesus is trying to clarify here is, you know what? You're supposed to love people. You're supposed to love all people. It needs to be a blind kind of love. And you know what? It may be risky. It may not always be safe. It might not always be the church people that you hang out with that you're supposed to share the love of God with. You might have to take a risk and share it with a coworker who doesn't even know you go to church. You might have to share it with someone who, who you've been living life in the wrong direction and you might have to stand up and say, you know what, there is a real Jesus living in me. There is a real God living in me. He loves me and he loves you. I'm going to love you. It might take a risky moment for us, but we need to remember in the same way Christ agreed to die for our sins. In the same way that he agreed to take on the whole world to provide salvation. In fact, the Bible says before he was crucified, he literally sweat drops of blood. And that came from the nervousness. It came from the concern. It came from how sincere he was about this. How desperate he was and how much he was really thoughtful in this moment. He already knew he was going to do the will of the Father. He loved him so much. He was willing to go through it all. But he was normal. He was human. He was a man. And he began to sweat drops of blood. And he began to feel the anguish and the heartache. And he knew what he was about to go through. But the risk was worth it all. Because he knew God loved him and he loved God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, and with all his strength. Therefore, he loves. Folks, our love has to. It has to be blind. And it's going to be risky. It's got to take everything. We've got to be willing to get in and get dirty. We've got to be willing to get in and get messy. We've got to stop worrying about whether or not we look the part and start worrying about whether or not we are being the part. We are called to be the hands and feet of God. He is living in us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit invades us. He, contain, he, he captivates us. The Holy Spirit has control of you, meaning the living God lives in you. And in him, he can do all things through you. He can do anything, even putting you in a risky moment and helping you through. Love has to be blind. It's going to be risky. Thirdly, it's a love that is costly. A love that is costly. Verse 10, 34 and 35 says, Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the man, the innkeeper, two silver coins telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher, then I'll pay you the next time I'm here. It's going to cost us. The Samaritan gave of his own time and his money. And he continued to love even after the initial contact. Look at that. Man, he took a risk. Blind, he didn't know who it was. Even after he knew who it was, he continued to love. He took a risk. He put himself in a position to where he could have or could not have been hurt himself. He was willing to take that risk. And it wasn't just enough to say, hey, man, you okay? Let me go call and get you some help. Let me help you up. Let's stand up, man. Let's get you up here real quick. And then we'll move on. All right, good luck, bro. I'll see you later. No, the Bible says that he put him on the back. First, he initiated contact. He helped him. He put on his resources. He gave him everything he had. Remember, the Bible says that he gave him... He gave him his, 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 uh, his olive oil and the wine. That was resources of his. Those were expensive resources. Olive oil is still expensive today. I know when my wife and I buy olive oil in a big container, it's like 12 bucks. Olive oil is expensive. And this time it was even more expensive. It was a resource that was his. And they were usually used for moments like this to soothe wounds. And so it gives me the idea that this man was headed on a journey. 
This man was headed on on a process. He was going somewhere. He was so planned out, he brought his first aid kit with him. So it was costing him. It was costing him his time. It was costing him his agenda. It was costing him where he was headed. Man, the Bible says the Jewish man was on a trip, but so was he. And, and so what it's saying is sometimes it's going to cost us. Sometimes it's going to cost us our agenda. Folks, I wonder, and we live in 21st century where time is of the essence, and we just need a little bit more of it. In fact, even right now, we're looking at the clock going, I hope he finishes somewhat soon because I've got this or that. I know it's not the dolphins we care to see, but the rest of it we want to see, right? We got places to go and things to do. And the Bible's saying, listen, your love is going to cost you something. It may cost you your agenda. It may even cost you your resources, just like this man. His olive oil and his wine. He had to get on his hands and knees and give of his resources. It's one thing to look at someone and take a risk and initiate. It's another thing to give them some of what you've got. It's another thing to give of what you probably can't afford. It's another thing to pull out the credit card and be willing to take a debt to pay someone else to help them through. Man, it's one thing to look at them. It's another thing to initiate and love them and care for them. It cost him something. It cost him agenda. It cost him time. It cost him resources. And the Bible says, man, he didn't just look at the guy, take him to an inn, get him some help and move on. The Bible says he stayed with him. It gives us the idea when it says the next day he told the innkeeper. That tells me he wasn't just saying, I love you temporarily and I helped you get out. I gave you a couple dollars. See ya. No, the Bible says he spent time with him. He spent the whole evening with him, helping this man recover from his hurt. How would he do that? How did he do that? He fell in love with God. He drew all of his grace and all of his love from Jesus Christ, who in return funneled out of him that same love for mankind. Folks, where are we? God's going, I dare you. I dare you to love like this. I dare you to love with a cost. I dare you. Love requires personal sacrifice. Just as Christ sacrificed his life on the cross for our sins, he is asking us to sacrifice our life for the cost of him. He's going, listen, I gave 100% to you. I submitted everything for you. The day I hung my hands on the cross, I poured out every ounce of blood for you to cover any mistake you'll ever make, to cover any imperfection you'll ever have. I covered you. I helped you. I've seen you through. I love you. My grace is sufficient for you. My love is never ending. The flow is constant. And in that love, I'm asking you to give me nothing less. I dare you to give me 100%, even when it costs you something. Where are you? God is saying, I dare you. He's looking at these religious leaders, these law professionals, and he's saying, listen, get this. You want the truth? The truth is you better love me and you better love people the same way. You want to know what that looks like? It's blind. It loves all men. It's risky. You've got to get in the ditch. You've got to be willing to get messy. You've got to be willing to get dirty. And you know what else? It's going to cost you something. It's not always going to be easy. It's easy to love our mom and dad. It's easy to love our friends. It's easy to love the people that come with us here to church. It's easy to love those people. In fact, it's even easy to throw a dollar out the window to a homeless person and love them from a distance. But sometimes it's going to cost us. Sometimes it's got to be risky. And he's going, listen, that's the kind of love I require. You want to know the most important thing? You want to know how to impress the father? Fall in love with him and love people that way. And number four, it is blind, it is risky, it will be costly, and lastly, it's a love that opens doors. 
A love that opens doors. The Samaritan's love brought two people together who would have normally never mixed socially. And I don't think it's by chance that he set this kind of message. He's saying this kind of love opens doors for love to continue to spread. I can guarantee you that Jewish man, having been loved that way by the Samaritan, has a whole other outlook on Samaritans. Guaranteed. You know what, folks? Some of us, we encounter people who got this look of Christians, and they already have this preconceived idea, maybe rightfully so or not. Maybe they've been hurt by a Christian before. Maybe they've been burned. And some of us say, you know what, I've invited them before, and they say no, so I'm just going to move on. And the Bible's saying, no, don't just move on, because I can break boundaries. I can open doors. I can make people talk who never talk. I can make things work that never work. I can take the hardest moments and make them easy. I can bring two people together. I can open doors. He goes, I just need you to love me. I just need you to love me with all your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul and with all of your strength. I just need your love to be about me. I just need you to be poured in. I just need to keep pouring love into you. And I guarantee you, you will have the words to speak in the impossible moment. You will know what to do and what to say and how to say it. He goes, stop worrying about that and start falling in love with me. Because when you do, you're going to be flooded with love. It's going to be possible. Folks, love opens doors. Love can soften the hardest heart Man, love can, can heal broken relationships. It can change the path of someone's life. It can cause someone else to show love. Love is constant. It's never ending. Love does all things. It can do anything. And I guarantee you, when we submit to God in loving Him, He will submit to us in loving us, and He will do everything He can to put us in position to love people. And God is saying, I dare you, I dare you, I dare you. I dare you just to try it. I dare you just to do it. I guarantee you, I'm going to open doors that you can't can't imagine. I guarantee, I dare you. Man, when I think of God's love, I think of an illustration. It's a simple one. I don't know how many of you wash your car, but I do. And I hate washing cars, but I do it anyways. And we have the world's largest van. But anyways, I drag the hose out and, and I get all the way to the front and I turn the little nozzle on right at the back where the water source comes out. I turn it on and I got a little spigot at the other end that holds the water in until I'm ready to spray it. And so I grab the hose from the backyard all the way to the front yard under the gate and I get all the way out to wash the car and I go to pull the trigger and there's absolutely no water coming out. Just a little drop. What's my problem? It's kinked. Somewhere in this stinking hose, it's kinked. And so I got to go all the way back to the back, find it, look maybe under the bushes. By now, I've blamed everybody I can blame. My son shouldn't be playing with the hose. You know, my wife filled the pool. I don't know anybody but me. And, and I finally get to the kink moment. It scratches on my arms from the tree. I get the kink undone. In fact, when I get to the kink, I can see the other end of the hose is about this big, right? Because the water is just trying to get through. It is building up because the source is flowing through. And so I finally get this kink undone. It's like... Phew, and sends everything to the other side of the hose, right? And the water is continuous. Folks, can I explain something to you? That is exactly what the love of God looks like. That is exactly what the love of God looks like. God is not concerned. Get this. God is not concerned about the water bill of love. He's not concerned about the reserve of love. He doesn't sit back and go, you know, I gave so-and-so this much love I can't give you. No, God is going, listen, the floodgates of love are afforded to you. I gave you everything I can give you. I want to pour into you. I want to give you everything I've got. I didn't give you just a little bit. I gave you everything. I came to give you life and life to the fullest. I want to give you so much love you won't know what to do with it. I'm just asking you to fall in love with me. I'm just asking you to get rid of the kinks. I'm just asking you to take away whatever it is that's keeping God from running through you. And I just want to ask you, church. 
church this morning, if Jesus were standing here and he were to say, I dare you to love, would you even be able to funnel out the love of God? Or are you too kinked up? You got too much going on. You're too caught. And God's going, listen, the source is not changed. The source is the same. Jesus did not change. God's love that he poured out on the cross is no different today, 2,000 plus years later. It's the same. It's the same continual. It's the same uninterrupted flow. It's the same ability to, to break boundaries and open doors. It's the same ability to put you in a risky position and help you. It's the same thing that's going to give you cost. It's the same hope. It's the same love. It's the same mercy. And he's going, listen, just let loose of the kink so I can pour all over the place. Church, if Jesus were standing here and he goes, I dare you to have a love like this, what would we need to fix? What would we need to do? Because the source is uninterrupted. The source is constant. God's love is never ending. God's love is always faithful. God's love is always true. It's always just. It's always available. And I'm simply asking you this morning to fall in love with God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. You see, folks, when something's captivated your thoughts and something's captivated your heart and something's captivated your spirit and something's captivated your strength, you've got no other choice but to operate through that. And that's what God's communicating here. He's going, listen, the greatest commandment above all is that you love me more than anything else in the whole world. And in that love, love people. Yes, it has to be blind. Yes, it's going to be risky. Yes, it will cost you. But yes, it will open doors that you could not imagine. And folks, I just want to remind you, Christ opened the door for us to experience God's love and mercy the day he put his hands on the cross for you and I. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. His blood gave us a way to heaven. We have access to a continual, uninterrupted flow of love from Christ in us that can flow freely when we come, whoever we come in contact today. You see, folks, because God first loved us, we have the ability to love them. And not only do we have the ability, we are required to love them. We are required. He's standing in the midst of people who knew the Bible better than I could ever imagine knowing it. And man, possibly some of you know the Bible more than I could ever know it. But I think it's pretty cut and dry when he says, listen, the greatest commandment above all is that you love me with everything and you love people. It doesn't change. You can't manipulate that any other way. It's about loving him and loving them, even the people you could never imagine loving this morning. Church, God is looking at us and he's going, you want the truth? Truth needs to be, it needs to be about me, Jesus Christ. And once it becomes about me, you'll understand how to love them. He says, and I also, I dare you something. I dare you to go live a love that looks like this. Folks, what do we need to do to pave the way to open that door? What do we need to figure out? I mean, maybe for, for some of us here this morning, we just need to simply enter through the door that God's opened with love and mercy. Maybe this morning we're at a place where maybe the, the gospel's never really clicked. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, you know, I, I would love to enter through that door. Well, in just a moment, we're going to give an invitation and invite you to do that. Pastor Evans is going to share the hope and the gift that God has for you. And it's so simple. It's so clear. It's so easy. It's not about getting everything figured out and right. No, the Bible just says have faith. And through his grace, he'll deliver it to you. 
Man, it's simple. And maybe you're not, maybe you're here and it's not about accepting Christ for the first time. Man, I know a lot of you, and I know a lot of you claim to know Jesus, and, and we have a relationship with him, and I am so looking forward to the day that we are marching into heaven, and we're enjoying. It's going to be the best day of our life. It's the thing that we're all hoping for. It's going to be the amazing day, amen? And I am longing for that. But church, until that day comes, we have a responsibility, and that is to love God and love people. And for too many people, our love is clinked. It's kinked. There's something going on. There's things in our life that have become more important. There's things in our world that we've allowed to captivate us. Man, Satan is doing everything he can do to take us out of loving God. Man, he is putting us in places and in positions to compromise the very love that he wants to give us. And for some of us, we've gotten caught up. And you know what? I want you to understand something. God loves you just as much today the way you are as he was the day that you were born. He loves you just as much today, caught up in whatever you're caught up in, as he did before you were caught up in it. And I want to tell you something, and I, and I know that I'm hopeful, and I, and I love to see Jesus as a loving God, and I know he is, and I'm confident in that. And I think if God were looking down on us, and he was able to verbally say this, I think he would say to us, John, I love you so much, I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care where you've been. I care that you get out of where you are. I care that you get out of where you've been. I care that you start loving me more than that. I care that you start loving me more than yourself. I pray that you would get up and get over and realize that the love source is not empty. It hasn't run dry. You're doing it to yourself. I want to love you. I want to restore you. I want to help you. Please fall in love with me so that I can pour love through you. Amen, church? What do we need to do? What do you need to do today? Because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I come into church and I leave exactly the same way I came in. Folks, I want to remind you, God brought us here for such a time as this. I believe the Bible is 100% inspired word of God. I believe the Bible is 100% applicable to my life today as much as it was 2,000 years ago. And if that's true, if you believe that with me, God's word is 100% inerrant. If you believe that God's word is 100% applicable to your life, then we've got no other reason but to leave today saying to ourselves, God, you want me to love you so much that I love people the same way. You have no other choice. And God is going, that's right. That's the truth. Now I dare you to go do it. He says to him in the story, he tells him this whole story, and at the end he says, now go and do likewise. He didn't say go and ponder on that thought. He didn't say, ah, go and think about it, or hey, you know, a cute little story, share it with somebody else. No, he said, now go and do likewise. I dare you to live it out. I dare you to be that. Church, what will we do today? Maybe we'll accept him. Maybe we'll walk through that door that he's opened for us. Or maybe we've got something to kink, get released. Maybe we've got to let go of something. Or maybe we just need to keep doing what we're doing. Whatever it is, wherever you are on this playground called life, whatever it is that's going through you, remember one thing. You've called one thing remains. Remember, it's about loving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And love your neighbor, yourself. Who's my neighbor? The people you couldn't imagine loving. Everyone is your neighbor. Now, I dare you to go live it. God, I love you so much, and I thank you. God, I pray this morning. God, this morning, I just pray that 
we get excited about you. That we would feel released this morning. That we would realize that your love is constant. This is not generated out of guilt. This is generated out of assurance, knowing that you love us. You love us unconditionally. And God, I pray that we would really focus in on the beginning of this text. That we would fall madly in love with you. That our devotion and obedience would be to you. God, that we would just make everything in our life about you so that you could just penetrate your love through us. God, I pray that you'd open doors. God, I pray that you'd give us a heart that's love is blind. That you'd allow us to, to realize that love is worth the risk and worth the cost. Because when you open doors and you break barriers, all things can be possible. God, I love you. Speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen.